It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Michael Kiss. I don't know what we're yelling about! And Benjamin Solak. I know it's a big night when he asked for honey. He said he wants honey. It's the Kiss and Solak Show. You got any idea? Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, your home for the best Eagles analysis in the business. This is episode six and is brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my external work for InsideThePylon.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, blessed by the presence of the best doggone co-host in the business, hey. Mr. Seven-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation, and NDTScouting.com is where you can find his excellent draft work. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Oh, every day is a good day to be alive, Mike. I don't know about you. Combine week is probably, I gotta like it, but I don't know. I don't, the combine gets a little bit too much, you know, as far as like a production goes and whatever, you know, underwear Olympics and all this stuff. Yeah. But also, this is when everybody comes out of the woodwork with takes on takes on takes after the combine, and it's a little bit exhausting. But I'm excited, you know. It's always fun to get you get a lot of questions answered at the combine. You know, when you're doing work in November and you're watching somebody's film and you say, okay, you know, I'm gonna like him as long as his three cone is, you know, whatever, yeah. like this this time or so on and so forth. You know, it's nice to finally get those uh those those questions answered. So I'm excited. Combine Combine week's a fun week. Yeah, and today is all about the NFL Combine, Ben. Also, as you pointed to, known as the Underwear Olympics by some. Uh, it's an event that causes people, like you said, to just dramatically shift their big boards based on testing. That typically doesn't surprise you if you watch the film. But here we are, double-checking single boxes erroneously over fast 40 times. I kid, but this event does hold value for a good number of prospects. Certain events are going to be more important for certain positions than they are for others. Can't wait to talk with our dude, John Barchard, who's going to be there live and in person, getting the scoop on all of these guys. Glad he's able to get out there and take it all in. So, Ben, before we get to some prop bets that we want to cover here, let's cover some bases here about some different things that we think are important for the combine, or maybe even not important, depending on how you see it. For instance, wide receivers, man. 
Can they run? Mm-hmm. How fast can they run? You know, getting those 40 times in is going to help finalize some evaluations or have us running back to the tape to see what we missed. Uh, seeing a lot of bunched up boards in regard to a wide receiver in this class, this testing is really going to help separate some of those guys. Also, how tall are the tall guys? How short are the short guys? Always yeah. interesting uh, when that information comes in. 10-yard splits are more important for me than 40-yard dashes for running backs and a couple other positions. You want to see if they have the burst to run through the hole or a crease. Uh, you want to see that same burst. You want to see that match from what you saw on film. Ben, I just threw a couple of things at you. We're going to keep it on the offensive side of the ball today, and then we're going to transition to defense on the next show. Then with the combine starting on Friday, we're going to record that night and release on Saturday so we can give you, gentle listener, some sweet, sweet combine takes. Ben, what's on your mind in regards to some important aspects of the combine, brother? As always, it's a it's a worthy reminder that what we see televised at the combine is the third most important thing to happen, in my opinion. Mm. The first most important thing to happen for these prospects is interviews, is sitting down with, with these NFL GMs and sitting down in rooms with them and going over the chalkboard with them. Because as I think we all know, you know, you can BS pretty much anybody into anything if you can impress them in person. And 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 we talk about, you know, Josh Allen and and this quarterback out of Wyoming, he had so much hype that was almost inexplicable. Well, it's it's rumored that Josh Allen was at the 2017 NFL scouting combine because he considered coming out that year at last second decided not to, but they still kind of snuck him into Indianapolis and he met with a bunch of QB needy teams who might need a quarterback in the next, you know, two or three years. And they all really liked his demeanor. And now all of a sudden he had a ridiculous amount of hype coming into the year, right? Which is a great move by his camp. Like, yeah. it's really smart. But it, it, what I'm saying is when you sit down with NFL GMs and you, if you get one of them to like you, they will excuse a lot of things, you know, like they'll buy a lot of the, the reasoning behind why you maybe didn't test so well or whatever, so on and so forth. Second most important of those medical rechecks, yeah. like, you know, when players come in, they're all going to get evaluated by the same doctors. They're going to get old injuries looked at, you know, checked out for, for muscular imbalances, for permanent joint damage, these sort of things. And you can see stocks just plummet, yeah. man, just like drop through the floor when people have bad evaluations. The Eagles have a fantastic example in Jay Ajayi, mm-hmm. a running back out of Boise State, who I believe he was drafted fourth, fifth round by the Miami Dolphins. This is a player with easy day two tape. He was a fantastic runner at Boise. But at the combine, it began to be rumored around that his knees just weren't going to hold up for an NFL running back's career. And so all of a sudden, Miami drafts him on the cheap. They trade him on the cheap because teams are very wary of giving him a long-term contract, investing in him in that way. And so you got guys like Jack Sitchie, Matthew Thomas, Sky Moore. That's right off the top. Sean Deon Hamilton. Those are four linebackers with huge injury histories all of whom could be targets for Philadelphia in the middle rounds. And so you, I can promise you Philly's going to be obsessed with those medicals, how beat up they are, what their long-term projections might look like. And then finally you get on the field and you get some of this athletic testing done. And so when it comes to just, you know, agnostic of position, you know, ignoring what drills matter most for which positions, what NFL teams look for, understand that what we're seeing televised is it's fun to watch it's interesting and it's valuable you know you can do a lot for your stock with a great combine performance ask a guy like byron jones ask obi melifonwu yeah. right ask these uh oj tom uh oj howard david and joku watch you know these guys did wonders for their combine stock by testing out of the roof and that'll happen again this year for sure but the most important things that happen to me are behind the closed doors in the doctor's tent and then uh you know in the rooms with the teams going over stuff on the chalkboard yeah, and the thing with Carson Wentz was that we don't have access to as draft analysts, the public doesn't have that either, is you get the guy in the room and you realize there's there's a story about him where he had a near photographic memory 
us not right? knowing that, a quarterback having that is hugely important. So, yeah, that interview aspect that we don't get access to is, is big time. The medicals, man, just off the top of my head, you think Nick Chubb, the running back out of Georgia, who had that horrific knee Nick injury. Chubb. You think Connor Williams, the left tackle, who had that knee issue last year, does that check out? This whole class, and like you said, that that medical, Anthony Miller, the wide receiver from Memphis, is rumored to have a foot issue that may knock him down. He's got day two tape for sure, but it's going to shift things very dramatically Mm -hmm. if these guys have any issues whatsoever. That's why I think it's funny. You know, we're in the business of talking draft and doing mock drafts and things of that nature. When people tell us, oh, well, Anthony Miller's not going to be there in the fourth. Well, you know, if there's a foot issue, he very well could be. And the same thing for the other side of the ball. You look at Harold Landry, you know, with his ankle, Kamoka Ture with his shoulder. So it's definitely a huge part of it. Now, let's, let's transition to some of the drills that I think may or may not be important. As far as wide receivers, man, do you take any stock when they got them running down that straight line and they're just like chucking balls at them? Because I really like that drill because it kind of shows the gauntlet. Yeah, the gauntlet, how they address Mm -hmm. the ball with their hands, how naturally they do that. And you get that, you know, super close up and high def as opposed to maybe some grainy film or some broadcast, you know, views where you hope for a replay to where you can get a good look. What position drills do you like that you put a lot of stock into? Yeah, if we're talking wide receivers, I'm very glad you brought up the gauntlet because I love the gauntlet. And I think that, you know, I've never had the opportunity to watch that in person there uh, at Indianapolis. But I think we're very fortunate to get the look that we do from the televised angle. When we talk about running the gauntlet, what you'll see is as a wide receiver, even tight ends will run it as well. The defensive backs, I believe, do it as well on the Mm -hmm. defensive side. They'll start on one sideline, think 50-yard line on one sideline stationary they'll catch a pass thrown to them and then they'll flip 180 degrees catch another pass that's thrown to them so you know facing the two different end zones and then they'll start running in a straight line along that 50 yard line and when they run along that straight line along the 50 they'll have five balls thrown to them from opposite sides so three from one side two from the other alternating and then the the last one they'll take they'll turn up the sideline and they'll sprint down to the end zone Really, really fun to watch, and I very much value that drill because, yeah, I want that close-up view of how a player dresses the football. I absolutely do. Now, I've got two guys who I like their tape, and I'm worried about how they address the football in the air, and that's Marcel Aitman out of Oklahoma State and Equinemius St. Brown out of Notre yeah. Dame. These are two big wide receivers. Aitman came in with relatively small hands for his size. I right. think it was nine and three-eighths at the senior bowl. I don't know yet St. Brown's. I'm going to assume it's a little bit small for his frame. These guys who worry me in contested catch situations, I like both of their tape. I'm high on them, but I want to see big hands and I want to see how they address the football. Is it mental or is it physical? Because mental is easier for me to solve. Physical, there's nothing I can really do about that. And so I have the opportunity to to see that on tape. And then also you watch how they address the football in the air running that 50-yard line. You want to see them lean off that 50 a little bit. People want them to stay straight on it. I don't want to see that. I want to see them lean into the throw. I want to see them come back for the football and attack it a little bit. Not too much. You don't want them zigzagging. But I do want to see them come towards the football, meet it instead of letting it come to them. When you run that horizontal, you try to intercept it like that, you allow defensive back to address you. Mm -hmm. So I like to see them lean into it just a little bit. I very much value that drill. Wide receivers talking about their testing numbers. I am a little bit interested in vertical broad jump. Obviously, if a guy has an eye-popping vertical, that's never a bad thing. It's very rare that a player has a, a much better vertical than you see on tape. So most of the time, you know who your good jumpers are and who they aren't. 
but I'm excited to watch the, the vertical jump matters to me. I do value the 10 and the 40 a good deal with wide receivers. I want you to have burst off the line, certainly. And I want you to be able to come low off the line as well, which is important mm-hmm. in the in the 10-yard split of the 40. And then, yeah, carry long speed. Good 40s definitely help for wide receivers. You, if you run a good 40, it's going to be in coaches' minds, like defensive coordinators' minds who are facing you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right? And that's always valuable to me from an offensive game planning perspective. But I do very much like the three cone four wide receivers the three cone drill also called the l drill a wonderful drill that measures change of direction circular cut something that we talk about wide receivers really need to be able to turn that way not not just worth lateral agility not just you know very often you see you know a running back you know as he's kind of moving through four angles you know obviously he does some circular stuff as well and so i want to see them and the defensive backs this is the most important drill for dbs and as such it's pretty important for wide receivers as well they need to be able to take those 90-degree angles in the L drill, in the three-cone drill, very crisply, very cleanly, maintain their velocity through it. That's where you find your great slots, yeah. right? That's where you find your, your good route runners at height, you know, your good outside guys, but with your great slots, you'll find them with excellent, excellent three-cone times. All right, so Ben, talking about the impact that a 40-yard dash, per se, can have on a player's stock, let's, let's take one example. James Washington, wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, Known as a burner in college, running those post routes all day for, for Oklahoma State, getting those rainbow balls from Mason Rudolph. If he runs 4-4-5 as opposed to running 4-5-5, how does that affect his stock? Because I think it'd have a big impact on him. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the thing about exceptional physical traits, Mike, is that they provide a niche. And so you're always very excited to see that when you have a guy like James Washington, who really is a very interesting case study for wide receivers, Washington has one of the most irregular builds you see at the wide receiver position. Incredibly high-waisted guy, long legs, very small torso, arm length good, arm length better than I expected, but then like squatty through the shoulders, a little thick up top, and he's got like no neck, right? Washington came in below 5'11". If he had a regular-sized neck, he'd probably be like six foot. These are the, he just got a weird build. He's tough to riddle out. And this is a guy employed in Oklahoma State system where he was either yeah, running the fly, running the fade, or running the post on 80% of his routes. And then we had like five-yard speed outs and an occasional low sit route in his own. And that was about it. Mm. And and you see a guy who some people call him stiff. And I can kind of get that. I don't think he's the most agile dude, but he's still he's got fluidity for me. He's a guy who I still think can give you nuanced moves in his route stem. I still think this is a guy who can give you a little bit of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, he can maintain velocity through his cuts. I think he can give you in-breaking routes. Very interesting. A lot of different opinions on him. Guys that I I, I respect are wildly different on him, right? He is a very interesting case study. And so, and a guy who was an incredible deep threat for, in college football, we're talking about a guy who was averaging like 25 yards a catch at one point (laughs) this season. That's like a fourth of the field, which is absurd. If he can come out and run, you said four four five. I can see him being faster. I could see him being really? closer to four four than that. Yeah, yeah, I can. If he can come out and hit that time, NFL teams are going to take a big sigh of relief and say, "Okay, we like his tape. He's super regular." But because he hit that four four two, now I know. Okay, I can bring him in, and at least he can give me that right. So he gives you, you know, when you have exceptional physical traits, it often carves out a niche for you. And when you have a niche carved out, it makes you a safer pick. If he runs slower than, yeah, a 4.52, you're going to be at a place where you got to go back to the tape and be really, really sure you like his ability to work in the intermediate levels. 
because even I'm high on Washington and even that I'm a little worried about him coming across the middle in traffic, getting hit. He doesn't like to go up for tough balls like that across the middle. He's fine with the downfield, but he does not like putting his body at risk across the middle. You, you've got to be positive. You're comfortable with that. So very, very interesting. James Washington is a great example of how understanding a player's tape dictates what drills may or may not be important for him. When Kiki QT at a Texas Tech comes out and mm-hmm. runs a 4-4, Right. When he comes out and runs a 4-4, yeah. four, four, I'm he not like, that's awesome, but I'm not going to be too impressed because I think that's what his tape is. Like that, he, he's, he's got insane speed and I expect him to run that. If they both run a 4-4-2, four, four, it means worlds more to James Washington because he needs that for his evaluation. Whereas with QT, that's kind of expected because of the way that he plays. Yeah, you don't want to double check that box with QT. You already know he's fast. He plays fast. If he tests fast, you don't double check that box. Another guy like that is wide receiver from LSU, DJ Chark. I'm going to give you the first over-under before we get into the actual prop bets here because this is an interesting conversation with James Washington. What if I set it at four uh, four four eight? Would you be confident under. taking the under? Under? I, I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to beat you. I think I think he's going to okay. come in under. He's he's. I'll put it to you this way. I think he understands how predicated his evaluation is on speed. And I think that he'll, having already weighed in at the Senior Bowl, I would not be surprised if he comes in at a lighter weight with the intention of running faster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. And yeah, that's that's a good point. A lot of these guys are going to see their weight fluctuation as well. You're going to see some of these edge guys coming a little bit lighter so they can run a little bit faster if that's the, kind of their thing. So we'll see how that goes. Ben. Let's get to some prop bets, man, and we'll kind of work through these positions as we go through the bets and just have a have a fun conversation about this stuff. Absolutely. Look, we're looking at prop bets. The first one and the one in which I'm most interested, and I feel I think a little bit passionately about it. I don't I don't know, maybe I should take it down a little bit. Uh Saquon Barkley, 40 time, over under. I've seen 444. Uh, this one is currently at 44 mm. flat. So Saquon Barkley over oh. under four 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 point four. Yeah, we got to keep in mind that he's two thirty, and home run speed for a running back isn't necessarily that important for me. If he runs in the four fours, that's fantastic. That's fantastic for him. So at a four four flat, I'm gonna have to take the over. What about you, Ben? I expect him to break four four. I'm I'm less comfortable taking the under when it's four four flat. I, if I could get it at like you know four four two. I'll give I'll you know what I'll give it to you for purposes of our show because I want to I want to beat you. Uh, huh. I, we're gonna get it at four four two just for you. You taking the under there? I'll take it, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I think that in all of of the breaking down of Saquon Barkley, this running back out of Penn State that we've seen, Barkley came in touted as a generational prospect. I know that I personally used the word generational with him in my evaluation in November. I still feel comfortable with that with that usage. I think that in all the the breaking down of his film, which is all warranted and the decision making is all a good process and it's all very necessary. I think we're forgetting that we've known that he is like, you know, people say like 4-4 speed at 230 would be insane. We've known he's an insane athlete. We've known that since his freshman (laughs) year. Yeah. What Barkley has done in the weight room this far has been insane. What Barkley oh, has done bonkers. in physical testing that we've seen so far is insane. And and he's broken 4-4 at Penn State twice. And so you say, okay, well, how much do we believe what teams report? Well, okay, without knowing Barkley's number, how how many seconds are you adding to a team timed 40-yard dash to give you a better feel for what it might be at the combine? Yeah, anywhere from 0.09 to 0.15. Right. Is depending on the school's history with it. Right. So Barkley ran a, a 4-3-3 at Penn State. So if you're adding 0.09, that's a 4-4-2 right there. And to me, I'll put it to you this way. Were I in Barkley's camp, I would be telling him, listen, 
you have one job at the combine. You're you're already going to bench a stupid amount. Like you're already ridiculously jacked in that regard. You're yeah. already going to have a stupid three cone for two thirty. Like that's like these are numbers you're not going to miss out on. But everybody loves big name forty yard dashes. That's what everybody looks for. And four four is the time. Like that is the watershed. If you can yeah. come in underneath four four at two hundred and thirty pounds, they will not stop playing that forty rep for the next two <laughs> months. Right? Any good agent is telling Barkley this. To me, if I were training Barkley starting in January, I would say we have one goal and it's to get you under four four. Barkley struggles decision making. On field, tries to do too much. We understand this. But Barkley, the strength of his evaluation has always been his physical ability. We know he is an insane gym rat. We know he has a ridiculous work ethic. Like, this is confirmed. If Barkley is the prospect that I believe he is, I expect him to come out and do better than we all think he will at the Combine, right? And if mm. he comes out and he is a 4-4-4, and he comes at 232, and he only benches like 26, which that's such a weird sentence to say out loud, right? <laughs> Then I'll be at the point where I'm saying, okay, his athleticism was grossly exaggerated. He is not the weight room guy that I thought he was. With the decision-making, now I have to recheck my evaluation. So I expect Barkley, like we're saying, like, that would be unreal numbers. Yeah, well, that's what everybody said before Calvin Johnson came out and ran a 4-3-5 at 237, right? That, that, right. You know, and obviously copying a guy to Calvin's combine performance is crazy, but that's what we're dealing with, with a guy like Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, I'm going to take – I expect him to come under – 4-4-2, if you give me 4-4-2. If he hits 4-4 under, that's great for his stock. That's perfect. I'm, t- I'm taking the over. I'm, I'm going to say he hits 4.44, and I I don't even mind. That's still very, very fast for a 230-pound human being. Ben, well. His density adjusted. Like when when, yeah. when Fournette <laughs> hit a 4-5 at what was Fournette? Right. Like 225, 230, something around there? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's where you want him to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be ridiculous stuff. All right. Next one that I'm interested in, and this will bring us into a nice conversation about quarterbacks and what we care about at the combine. Cause that's a, that's a big debate. Lamar Jackson's 40 or, uh, 40 time is put at four, four, five <sighs> over under. What are you taking? <sighs> Mobile quarterbacks are like usually around like four seven. Like that's considered a mobile yeah. quarterback. Wentz was what, four eight? <laughs> oh yeah. They have they have Baker Mayfields. I'll 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 put it to this way. If you make one bet on the combine, Baker Mayfield's over under is set at four six nine. And Baker Mayfield, like he's mobile. Nice. Yeah, nice. But he has like a beer belly. Like like Baker Mayfield right. is like is not Baker Mayfield's an athlete, but he's not a sprinter. Like four six nine is ridiculous. There's no way Baker Baker's gonna run a four eight five. Alright, that to me, yeah. Baker is stealing money. And then Lamar four four five, that's great. If Lamar can come out and run a four five, that's gonna be awesome. I guarantee you somebody's gonna immediately be like, look, put him at wide receiver after he does it. Yeah. But as a guy who just went through and finished all the Lamar Jackson charting, he is not running a four four five. That would be beyond real. I'm taking the over on both of those because dude, 40s for the quarterback mm-hmm. just show the tape shows that you're mobile. That that that's that's all you need to that you can move around and you can effectively work within the pocket and then you can work outside of structure. You can scramble. You can be enough of a running threat. Blake Bortles had what 86 yards or 88 yards rushing in a playoff game. He ain't that fast either. You just got to be able to run a little bit. I don't think these quarterbacks are really stressing themselves to go pull a hammy in Indianapolis. So I'm going to take the over on both of them. Yeah, I don't want my quarterback to be that fast. I don't because then he's going <laughs> to think he should like 
try to out sprint people too much, you know, and obviously like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the, the way that running quarterbacks are treated in the media can get a little bit ridiculous and an injury and everything like that. But still, I like a four or five quarterbacks. That's, that's just superfluous. That's some nonsense. But when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks, really none of the positional testing, there, there really are no numbers I'm interested in beyond their measurables. Obviously, I want a guy who's coming in above 6'1 is the usual mark that you get. If he's below 6'1, yeah. and this is a, this is a, a great mantra to use. I don't care unless it matters, which sounds stupid and really self-evident, <laughs> but it's very important in scouting. We have all these conventions and these buckets we like for people to reach and these benchmark measurables. I don't care unless it matters. So Baker Mayfield coming in at six, Six and a half, which is what he's going to come in as about six oh oh four, doesn't matter to me because he does not have many balls bad at the line of scrimmage. He has a very high release point. He's fine. Kyle Aletta is going to come in around six two and a half, Mike, and he has a lot of balls batted because he's a lower release point, right? I don't care about their height unless it matters. And so, hmm. and so, you know, wait, you know, uh, Josh Rosen's going to come in maybe a little bit north of two hundred. Well, I don't care unless right. it matters. Does Rosen have an injury history? Yeah. And so now all of a sudden I'm more interested in him having some nice mass along that frame, right? And then the next thing we get into with quarterbacks that people talk about is radar gun measurements, what their velocity is coming off the hand. I couldn't possibly care less. The ball getting to where it belongs on time in the NFL is about 10% arm strength for most levels of the field. And then the rest of it is anticipation, decision-making, and understanding your offensive scheme. Yeah, are there throws that, like, only Matt Stafford can make where he jams the ball between two defenders on third and eight that are unbelievable? Yeah, there are. I'm not drafting a quarterback to make 2% of the throws that he'll be asked to make over his career. I'm I'm drafting a guy to make 98% of the throws. Yeah, and you see a guy like Cam Newton who can do it without his lower body, and he can just fling it because he's got crazy good arm strength. I don't necessarily need that for my quarterback, man. Most of the quarterbacks in the NFL can't do that, and and the good ones can do just fine without that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And and, and a guy being able to make those 2% throws, those exceptional throws, I'm thinking of a Josh Allen, is awesome. Mm. It's, It's definitely an advantage. It's a it's a bonus to have a guy who can hit 65 yards down the field. Of course it is cuz that that's something that most offenses can't do. However, if you're only if you're attempting 40 passes a game and only one of them is going that far, it's yeah. how, what what's the return on your value there? I need a guy who's going to hit the 39 throws. That's what I'm most interested in. And do you disqualify a guy like Deshaun Watson who tested really really slow? In that miles per hour, in that in that ball velocity test at the combine, just because of that of that metric, no. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson was awesome last year. I don't care. I don't. I don't care about that crap, and I don't care about the the ball rotation thing they had at the Senior Bowl, where they said that uh, Luke Falk from Washington State had the tightest spiral. I don't care about any of that, man. Can they throw with accuracy? Can they throw with timing? Can they mentally process things? That's that's what I care about. Do they right. have? Is their arm strength good enough? And then we'll work from there. I care if it matters. Do I have a guy right. who has a, a, a ridiculous number as far as spins, right? Rotations per second goes. Does his ball get dropped constantly because he has a very low RPM or RPS number? Now I'm interested. But if it's not a problem, yeah. it's not a problem. Don't make it a problem, right? right? right. And so these yeah. are all things where to the quarterbacks, it's ridiculous. So what I care about for quarterbacks is number one, don't look stupid, right? Don't be like, don't do something dumb. Walk out. 
be accurate. Don't try to do too much. Don't be ridiculous. Right. And like, that's why to me, the quarterback was the most approved is Josh Allen, because he's got to come out there and not be embarrassed by throwing next to all these other wonderful quarterbacks who are in this class who are much more consistently accurate than he is. Right. But like, right. Right, Allen's got his evaluation that nobody in their right mind, even Allen's most ardent supporters can say he's a consistent quarterback. He's not. And that's just dumb. And so he has to come out and, and not stand starkly inconsistent when compared to uh, a guy like Josh Rosen and a guy like Baker Mayfield right. and a guy like Lamar Jackson who are markedly and more consistent throwers. My my biggest thing for quarterbacks on the field wise, come out, do your best to make all of the throws. I'll be watching the outside of the hashes ones a little bit more to see whose ball looks like it mm. dies as far as quarterbacks who I haven't seen in those drills. Like, you know, I'll, you know, I can already tell you Mason Rudolph's ball dies a little bit. I can already tell you that <laughs> Kyle Aletta's ball is going to die a little bit. I can already tell you that, you know, Brandon Silvers, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, they can all get the ball out there. No problem. Right. So I already have some of those takes, but I'll watch the other guys, you know, just to make sure with outside the hash throws, those always tell you a little bit more. But the main thing when you're a quarterback at the combine, on the field, don't stand out. Nobody should care about what you're doing because if they do, you're probably doing a bad job. Beyond that, it's behind the scene stuff. You know, for quarterbacks, it's all yeah. chalkboard interviews. The interesting thing for me going back, going back to your point before about Josh Allen being inconsistent, we saw it at the Senior Bowl. Man, he missed a throwing net. He almost over. I almost. I, I, I was thirty feet away watching Josh Allen. He was doing a rollout drill with this with this with this coach. And the coach is like four feet in front of him and he almost overthrew him. I'm like, this guy is all over the place. He's going to get yeah. picked off with overthrows all the time. And it's going to be interesting too, because you go back and watch, you know, like the Iowa game. He played all right at first and then like things started to go wrong and he had that quicksand thing happen to him where he just compounded mistake after mistake after mistake. What happens if Josh Allen starts missing and it just gets worse? Because I don't think he's got the mental toughness. Just watching watching his tape, he tends to just go in the tank when things go wrong. So that that would be really fascinating to see unfold on national television. What's going to be different for Allen in this case, and us focusing on Allen, because like I said, Allen's the guy who's got the most to prove out of the quarterback class. There's so many different positional groups and drills going on during a practice at the Senior Bowl. When it's Indianapolis, there's one thing happening. Yeah. There's one thing being televised. It's every quarterback's throw. And so when they're working out with the wide receivers and they rep three cycles of the quarterbacks, each taking five throws and Allen misses at a much higher click than the other guys, there's nowhere else the camera will be on. There's nothing else for yeah. the, the commentators to talk about. Right. And so the stuff that we saw live in Mobile, that inconsistency is going to be more starkly revealed, in my opinion, in Indianapolis. But that's pretty much it for quarterbacks. Uh, you know, tight end is a, is a much, uh, is quite a similar evaluation to wide receivers, in my opinion. They do do a little bit more of the blocking drills, but there's so little blocking stuff that you can really see in Indianapolis. And I'm sure we'll talk about that with the offensive line. Last skill position we should touch on, though, is the running backs. Like I said, you know, three cone is a change of direction thing. But to me, that applies a little bit more to wide receivers, edges and and corners. These guys who play at a lot more angles than running backs do. Running backs, I'm more interested in something like the short shuttle, 20 yard shuttle. Yeah. Like that's that's a that's a lateral. That's that's all in a straight line. And to me, that speaks to your ability to stop and cut. Right. That speaks to your ability to I'm going one way. I have to gather all of my momentum and then explode outward. Right. How how clean you're talking about conservation of momentum. It's kind of like a physics idea. How clean can you make that that 180 degree transition is very interesting to me. A guy like Ronald Jones, I think is going to blow that drill out of the water. Yeah. And I think that's where people are going to yeah. really start talking about Jones's footwork and his ability to accelerate because he's otherworldly in that way. 
10-yard split, more important than a 40-yard dash for me as far as running backs go. 40 will obviously be the more reported thing, and a 40 is valuable, but I want my running back to be good at getting me 10 yards, not good at getting me 40 yards. You know, when I run, it's not to get 40, it's to get 10. And so I'm more interested in how well he does within 10 yards. It's, you know, kind of a a simple bit of an evaluation there. And then I really do enjoy watching the running backs in pass catching drills. I don't know about you, Mike, but I, I, I don't get the opportunity to, you know, if I were with a team to swing on down to the University of, of North Carolina, you know, North Carolina State. And say, hey, like, Naeem, like, can you guys throw, like, 10, 15 passes to Naeem Hines for me? Right? You know, teams can do this. I don't get to do this. And so, yeah, when it's televised, I want to watch Kalen Balazs catch the football, man. I want to watch Jalen Samuels. Oh, Samuels working out as a tight end. I want to watch, you know, Akron Wadley. I want to watch Ronald Jones. A lot of these guys who who project as heavy pass usage backs in the NFL, I want to watch them catch. I want to see how they work through their routes. I remember last year Christian McCaffrey looked like a doggone wide receiver and that was huge for his stock we talk about niche ability that boosted McCaffrey's floor that performance it absolutely did and so those those are the big things that I watch running backs I don't know about you yeah no and the same thing for Naheem Hines can do the same thing as well because I really liked his work out of the slot from college and then going back to tight ends man I, I think I've got one of my bigger draft crushes going on right now because I went back and looked at Durham Smythe from Notre Dame Mm-hmm. And you look at that roster spot that's going to be open or possibly going to be open with Brent Selleck, depending on his future. Trey Burton's almost definitely gone out of Philadelphia. He's going to price himself out of here. We're not expected to retain him. So we've got two open tight end spots. And you look at a guy like in the fourth round with two of those picks. Durham Smythe, man. I watched his game against NC State and the big pass rusher, the, the number one pass rusher on a lot of people's boards, Bradley Chubb. They asked Smythe to block him at least a dozen, maybe mm-hmm. about 15 times. And not only did he hold up, he was driving a back at times. He was uncoiling his hips. He was controlling with his upper body. He was driving with his lower body. Like he had it. He was like George Kittle blocking from like last year. Just not George. as aggressive, but also didn't get caught over his skis as much. Limited production, but you're watching their quarterback roll around looking straight at Durham Smythe past the marker and just unleash a terrible ball downfield. And you're like, do not talk to me about Brandon Wimbush. I can't. (laughs) All right. Brandon Wimbush offends me on like a personal level. So, yeah, that's one guy. I really want to see how Smythe tests uh, athletically and see how he moves, see how loose he is with with the three cone as well uh, and see what that 10 yard burst is like, because as a blocker. Dude's mm-hmm. got it, and he's going to earn himself a role. And there's going to be a lot of people drafted yeah. before him that he's going to play a lot longer than. Let me write for you a headline that's going to be on NFL Network by Wednesday after Combine Week. Mm. With strong Combine performance, is Mike Gesicki, tight end out of Penn State, in conversation for Ooh. tight end one? Listen, Mike. G- he's going to jump out of the gym. Gesicki <laughs> is going to not land during. He's going to jump <laughs> on Saturday and not land until next week. Gesicki is, is, I think what, he's 255? Let me find it. Producers are pulling it up. Gesicki is 242 and is going to jump 36, 37 inches in the vertical. Mike, he might hit yep. 11 in the broad. Yeah. He's, and you have his ability in the air because he's incredibly coordinated in the air, Mike. Yep. When he hits those mm-hmm. jumping numbers, his stock is going to go through the roof. So I brushed mm-hmm. over tight ends, but that, that's my bold prediction for tight ends. Mike Gesicki is going to get some tight end one sort of talk at the end of this combine. So that's the one that I think is going to be huge. As far as running backs go, the guy who I think is going to make things very interesting for himself at the combine is Rock Thomas. Mike, have you seen any Rock Thomas? Yeah, from Jacksonville State. I love yeah, him. So yeah, so we've talked. There's been a lot of like, you know, Naeem Hines is going to be a guy who stands out. I've heard, you know, Mark Walton, if he's fully healthy after his ankle, Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, Rock Thomas is smallish, 
but man, is he agile and he's got great balance mm-hmm. too. And so this is a guy who I think you're going to come into these drills like the short shuttle, like the three cone, like some of the positional drills that measure change of direction. And everyone's going to be very excited to watch what Akron Wadley can do. And everybody's going to be very excited to watch what Edo Smith brings you so on and so forth. I think that Rock Thomas comes out and shows him up a little bit. I'm very yeah. excited to see. And I think Rock Thomas is going to get, start to get talked about as a mid round scat back that you can bring in. He can be your one B. So he's my guy. He's my, he's my sleeper guy to watch for running backs. I really like that. I really like Rock Thomas. He's got great contact balance. He's going to, he's got some scoot to him for sure. Any other, uh, over under bets that we have on there that interest you? As far as running backs go, we'll just go, uh, Nick Chubb, four, five, four over under. <sighs> That's tough, dude, because he had that nasty, nasty knee injury. He seemed to get some of the bursts back last year. Uh, definitely better than it was the year before coming off the injury. 4-5-4. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go yeah. over on 4-5-4. Chubb's got some giddy up. I will still probably go over, but I expect him to run 4-5 mids, and I think that's going to be very good for him. Yeah, and I think I'm, I think I'm going to like his 10-yard split, though. Yeah, I think we have forgotten, because of all the work that's been done on this running back class, what it's going to be like to have Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, and Nick Chubb all out there on the field, assuming Geis and Chubb are both at full health. These three men together could like power clean 3,000 pounds. It's just unbelievable. Speaking speaking of Geis, man, you mentioned the receiving drills before. He didn't have a whole lot of production. Yeah. Darius Geis from LSU didn't have a whole lot of production in that passing game there, and some of his pass catching reps weren't that great. That's going to be very important for him, but go ahead. No, so let's. Uh, the only other running back one is uh, on Johnson, I believe it is. Yeah, carry on Johnson. Slow. Yeah, four five five. That's over, right? Over. Yeah. All day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All day. And I'm not gonna like his ten yard split either. Can, yeah. Carry on. I think he's slow, man. Do, do you? Do you also? Are you kind of tepid on carry on? Because I'm tepid on him. I'm very tepid. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell. I can't tell if he's patient or he just has no burst or if he doesn't trust his burst. I'll tell, I'll tell you this: when when you running in the Le'Veon Bell style only really works for me if you're Le'Veon Bell. Like I'm not drafting a guy <laughs> to be Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is so unique. I'll just draft the guy who's in a mold with which I'm more familiar. It's the same as the James Washington thing, right? And I love Le'Veon Bell coming out. I don't feel that same way about Carrion. That's what worries me because I love that. that, that he had sweet feet, which Carrion doesn't have. He tends to run a little bit heavy footed. I don't, I don't think that's going to pan out for him in the NFL. That's why I'm a little bit tepid on him. 100%. Uh, the only position that we have left as far as the offensive guys go is offensive line sort of stuff. Offensive line, I obviously want uh, to check measurables. I want to see that arm length. Very often, the arm length measure that's used for people that they look for to make sure that, that you can play tackle is 33 inches, I believe, is the benchmark that a lot of teams like to use. I'm more willing to go right. lower than that, to be honest with you. I'm fine with the guy who's 32 and a half. That's me personally. I've never coached offensive line. But but to me, if you can time your punch well, Half an inch isn't going to bother me too much. Does it make a difference for you? Because I heard Howard Mudd talking about this, the great offensive line coach. And he says you either have to have a combination of these or one or the other to get to your landmark, either quick feet or length in your arms. I think if you have quick feet, right. you can have some of those shorter arms because you, you get to where you need to be to deliver your punch. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you heard, Mike. I only care if it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> for, right. So watching a guy like Forrest Lamp out of Western Kentucky last year, watching a guy like Alex Kappa out of Humboldt State, who I will be higher on than the consensus this year, right? If I'm not watching your tape and going, man, you know, your length is an issue, then if you come in, Kappa came in 33 and one eighth, barely above the tackle uh, a threshold, right? And then he's a guy who's right around 300 pounds. So people say, oh, move him to guard. I I, I will. I do not want to take a guy with Kappa's movement skills and put him at guard unless I'm pulling him on every stinking play or something, right? There's no reason for that. There's no reason to have him yeah. work in a box. You know what I mean? I would yeah. much rather have him outside of tackle. But 
uh, as far as what I'm watching for. So yeah, measurables are important for offensive linemen. I'm certainly looking at that. Then if you have a guy who does a Lane Johnson sort of day, right? A guy who mm. Joe Thomas, who comes out and just like destroys the combine, you know, and you can tell he's an incredible athlete. Brian O'Neill out of pit is a guy who might be able to pull this off. Then yeah, that's exciting. That's obviously a ton of fun. Um, and, and that makes you feel really good about their projection moving forward. I will say that of the drills for offensive linemen, I am interested in their ability on the three cone and the short shuttle a little bit, just because I do need short area quickness out of my linemen. That's something that I right. need in the NFL. But that is, that is a situation where if I have a guy who I think has the sufficient short area quickness and then he doesn't test that well, I'm not as worried as I might be if it's like a running back or a position that I think is more easily predictive on those metrics. My tackles, I want you to have like a not bad three cone. If you like, bomb the three cone then i'm going to get a little bit worried to be honest but yeah. that's that's about hip mobility you know to, to me that's a lot more of a gray area because offensive linemen if you're just not a great athlete you don't test well but you can still right. pull it off as an offensive tackle you know i don't think orlando brown's gonna blow the three cone out of the water but i still think he's a first round offensive tackle either way biggest thing i watch for the offensive linemen is uh their drills how they're worked out by the coaches i do particularly enjoy Firstly, the mirror drill where they're faced off against another guy. That guy's changing yep. directions and you just get to watch the reflexes on an offensive lineman. You're not going to see much because he's not really framing him or striking him. So you're not going to see much there, but I do like to see how their feet move, how they're able. You want to see a divorce, Mike, between upper body and lower body, lower body, right. a ton of activity, upper body, very stable, very balanced, not a lot of sway back and forth. I want to see that divorce, that separation between the hips. And then the drill that I really like to pay attention to is the kick slide drill, Mike, where they line them up and they have to work the arc they have to you know they line them up as like a left tackle or right tackle and then they work their kick slide and they turn their hips they frame a guy and they carry him all around the arc i'm watching footwork i'm watching balance i'm watching hip mobility there and that's a drill that can show some problems to you if a guy's uncomfortable getting into his kick slide he can't stay balanced he doesn't gain good depth he opens the 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 door too early those are all things you'll see in that drill so that's an important one for me to watch offensive line wise i am thirsty for this combine to start man so thirsty so Ben, all right, we got anything else for the over unders? Are we are we uh, we good to uh, move on to defense in the next show? I think we're good to move on to defense in the next show. I will give you this one because I have an mm. answer for this one. Uh, over under highest bench press reps at thirty eight and a half, and then is it an offensive player or a defensive player? Who's the defensive player that's just like a total freak that was built in a lab? There's one guy and he's got some short arms too. Oh man, we're I'm gonna have to get back. You're talking Leon Jacobs, that kid out of Wisconsin? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. If there was someone, I mean that name immediately comes to mind. I don't know what he's benching right now, but that's that's something that I think just off reputation, I'm gonna I'm gonna say him for right now. I'll look into it though. Yeah. And we'll finalize that. Were I a betting man, which I am, and I had fungible income, which I do not because I'm a college student. I would parlay over 38 and a half offensive player and then bench press anyone with 40 or more reps. Yes, is at plus 180. I'd parlay all three of those on Will Hernandez, guard out of UTEP. Oh, I think, yeah. I think, I think Willie Nandez throws up 42. I think Willie, I think Willie comes out and chucks it. And I, I'm, I'm in love with this guy. Like I have the biggest crush on Willie Nandez. Huh. It's, I, I might as well just say it. It, it, does he have great movement skills? No, they're decent. Is it good enough to be an offensive guard in the NFL? Absolutely. Are you going to draft him round one? Probably not, but I just love his character. I love the way he plays. And I don't know. Like, I know for a fact he can put up 450. And to me, 225 is half of 450. And yeah. he can put up, oh, he'll, he'll push 38. I expect him to put up 42. I love Willie Nandez. I think that'd be so much fun to watch. Dude, he walked out on the stage in Mobile, Alabama. That was the biggest human being. I've ever seen live and in person. He was 
a mammoth. That's a scary <laughs> son of a gun. So yeah, uh, Willie Nandez going to throw up 42. That's my bold prediction for offensive line. All right, Ben, what else do we have for the gentle, gentle listeners? Well, thank you so much for listening, gentle, gentle listeners. Uh, this has been the Kissed and Solak Show. I am Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Mike's been on Twitter at Michael Kissed NFL. Wednesday is the defensive preview on the combine. Very similar. And so if you're a guy who's just getting into the combine, trying to figure out which drills are interesting, which drills aren't, what times you should be looking for, and then a couple of specific players to watch for, this is the place to come. We hope that the offensive one was very uh, informational, very educational for you as far as how to prepare for this combine. Defense will be doing the exact same thing. And then, of course, like Mike said, usually we release on Fridays. We will be releasing on Saturday this week. The first day of the combine, as far as testing goes, is Friday. So we want to have at least one day down so we can give you some takes there. We'll also give you some more of our names to watch on day two day three, so on and so forth, coordinating with John Barchard of BGN Radio, who will be on location at the NFL Combine. It's Combine week. Uh, by the time we get to the beginning of next week, it'll all be wrapped up, and we'll be able to give you full takes thereon. And then after that, you're basically looking at maybe some pro days that are interesting, but we got a straight shot to the uh, NFL Draft. We'll be releasing a lot of video content for you guys on the official BGN YouTube page, which would be actually a really exciting experience to give you guys a, an insider look as to how we break down tape that is for patreon subscribers as well so if you want more information on that make sure you're staying tuned we will announce that in the episodes to come we all we got we all we need fly eagles fly fly